At least we're down to 12. <laughs> At least we're down to 12. <laughs> Alright, so welcome to the State of Hornets first debate reaction podcast. This is our reaction to the fourth question mark Democratic primary debate. There's been some uh, town halls and some other types of meetings overall, but this is the fourth official debate the Democrats have had for the 2020 primary season. Uh, it's October 2019, for those of you counting at home. Uh, I'm Will Coburn, your podcast editor. And I'm Derek Catron. I'm the I'm one of the opinion writers for the State Hornet. I'm Corey Zanes. I'm the managing editor and basically the, the factor campaign reporter. Mm-hmm. I am Siobhan Chapman, and I am the opinion editor. All right. And uh, so what was our take on that debate? General impressions? Who do you think won? How'd that go? Um, what I noticed just cause this is what I was afraid of. I was afraid of being kind of cynical. Mm-hmm. I noticed, especially like love her, but coming from Elizabeth Warren, I noticed, and also from other candidates as well. I'm not just going to like say it's just her, but I've noticed a lot of them threw around kind of like introducing black people into what, you know, kind of saying like, we're going to do all this great stuff for black people, but then completely ignoring, um, the latino community the gay community and it's just kind of like well let me try to get this black vote because black people do vote like we show up and i think people do realize that like oh let's try to get those numbers Mm -hmm. but then you have when they were talking about the opioid crisis during especially during the 80s in new york there was a huge crack epidemic that affected so many black people and so many black people died and now it's this huge crisis, and I just think it's kind of ridiculous because now they're saying we need to do something now. But back then it was just say no. That's that's just what stuck with me. So I don't know if yeah. that's super cynical. And, yeah, and that <laughs> reminds me. I'm sure you probably heard Dave Chappelle's little spiel on that. Yep. And yeah, and <laughs> absolutely. You know, I agree with you. But I mean, they they definitely should have the approach that they're taking now is w- sh- what should have been implemented back then. But um, definitely. It's still good to see candidates caring about the issue. I don't actually think a lot of them are approaching it the right way, though. Um, except for Andrew Yang, actually, which surprised me. Um, he brought up the concept of having safe injection sites and other programs to help addicts safely wean off of drugs so that they aren't forced to manage that themselves and buy tainted drugs on the street which is a large like a vast like very large portion of the heroin supply in the country is contaminated with fentanyl and so people don't know what they're dosing at least if they go to a medical facility and it's you know um organized by government agencies then we can help people safely get off the drugs right I, I did think it was also interesting that uh, Harris also brought up directly ending the war on drugs and then kind of turning that around to being about pressing charges or even, I think she actually said, lock up the... Uh, oh, yeah, the, she the, did. The, she absolutely did. I just think it's a really interesting way to go about it. I don't know. Maybe this is just the fact that I'm too liberal, but I just don't think prison is always the answer for everything. Absolutely. I just, I just don't. Like, I don't think... And that's my main problem with Harris is everything is like, throw this person in jail. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Sometimes she wants to throw the good, the the people you want to throw in jail in jail, though. Absolutely. If her answer is throw everyone in jail, she's going to catch someone eventually. 
Yeah. Um, Will, <laughs> I hate that so much. <laughs> I mean, I she the... wants to throw Trump in jail. I'm fine well, with that. Well, they all want to throw Trump in jail. I'm fine with that. But everything, like, that shouldn't be your response to everything. And that's what really annoys me about her. She says some, she said some great stuff. But then we just come right back around to how I was feeling before I watched the debate. And I'm just like, no thanks. I, I think it's almost just habit for her. It's just like, her, it is. Her, it's her character. And that's ridiculous. Yeah. That, that just kind of scares me. I don't want my president to be somebody who is so fucking obsessed with, okay, I don't like you, so you're going to prison. <laughs> uh, I feel like on a similar counter note to that one is I really like Castro's point about the gun reclamation of we don't need an excuse to send cops with a mandate into neighborhoods because police violence uh, police violence is gun violence yes that i thought was a very important point to make and i don't hear enough people talking about that uh there's been plenty of countries that have dis- disarmed their police force and that's something we need to be looking at we can't reduce police violence if they can still commit violence absolutely i think police reform is completely different i think it's mm-hmm. completely different i that's not my response to saying that you know prison shouldn't be the answer for everything but i still agree that it shouldn't be but no you're absolutely right what i really noticed that you even had like you just said castro booker and harris all bring up was this debate really strayed away from what has kind of been the focus of democrats for probably the last 20 or 30, pretty much the focus of Democrats since the civil rights movement of what is that? racial issues, at least has right. been a, if not the focus, has been a big issue that they've uh, oh, championed. Definitely. Absolutely. And I, this debate definitely strayed away from talking about those issues. There wasn't a talk about what's happening right now on the border. There isn't talk exactly. about it. Yeah, I, I, t- I took a yeah. note of that. It wasn't and until, that's ridiculous. Uh, like it was 621. I wrote it down when uh, Castro brought up the border crisis and having children's in uh, having children's locked in cages. And that was after every single uh, candidate had their conversation about should we be impeaching Donald Trump or not. Right. And literally Castro's talk about, you know, not bringing um, police into communities of color or communities who do not trust police was the only mention of the shooting in Texas by the police officer of someone in their own home, which is the second time in a span of a year that's happened. Right. And that was the only mention of it. Like, it was never mentioned again. I noticed the same exact thing. And I also think it's ridiculous that the only person to actually bring up HBCUs or um, defending black women was um, Warren. And I think that's kind of ridiculous. And I think it's another way that Booker and Harris, I feel like, just drop the ball a lot of the time. Is or Do you feel like they're doing the thing that Obama kind of did of a skirt around black issues? Because I'm scared of associating myself with that, trying to run for president. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> and it drives me crazy. Yeah, like, I get... She did mention it a little bit in terms of talking about that the the debates would be talking about issues, especially um, at the beginning of the debates, she talked about the debates would be talking about uh, women's health issues. And she did. Re- Harris did. Right. And But 
and how that there affects was mostly women some, of color. There was some. I, I my my ears perked up, but there was some screwy talk about like the like, and maybe it was her trying to appeal to a more Christian base about women being given this responsibility to bear children and, and that sort of thing. That just kind of like set up a, a weird little red flag in, in my head. Um, like, especially cause like it's not just women that have uteruses. Um, there's amen. She's shown some insensitivity insensitivity towards trans people as she a has. DA. Absolutely. And she's trying to gone out of her way as a presidential candidate to be like, as a Senator, I'm different. Uh, as a president, I will be different. And then that's like but, one of those, like, just, but then that, that, that sort of like biologically essential wording uh, is a big red flag for like anyone coming out of the trans community. Right. That's why she's not getting my vote. Um, in, in the aftermath of Bernie's heart attack and then with the three Democratic frontrunners all being of ages that would break the record for the oldest president to enter office made me wonder what exactly is the ideal presidential age why are the three front runners this old i've been doing a lot of thinking on how this happened and i think that there's like a jump in where millennial and gen z like enthusiasm is gunning like hey the democrats that were in power in the 90s and the people trying to work within that system they kind of really dropped the ball in 2008 and the obama administration was only able to fix so much like and they're like so a lot of young people see that whole generation of Democrats as these are the people that dropped the ball and these are the people like y- y- you can make the argument of who actually dropped the ball in two thousand eight I yeah. probably wouldn't actually put too much blame on the Democrats but they got stuck picking up those pieces and having to play with some stupid rules when putting everything back together so I think a lot of younger people are looking at the younger Democratic generation going you guys fucked us. Like the environment, we are probably going to die. And these things could have been fixed at that moment and you didn't do anything. And so that's what I think a lot of Bernie Sanders's like energy when he first popped up is because he's going, hey, I'm a throwback candidate to this older type of Democrat. And people want to like just kind of skip the people that they see as responsible. And like sometimes I, I, I actually wonder like how much of that blame can really be put on that generation of Democrats because they had a horrific mess to have to fix. That yeah. was probably beyond, like, you can't put into, into any mortal hands the fixing the entire global economy. So what do you think is... I, I just think, I think that's why a lot of older people have kind of come in, because they're, they're distanced from that problem. Joe Biden is not distanced from that problem, but Joe Biden is something that's familiar, and so I think he's got that going for him. But I feel like... Uh, Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren both a lot of people don't associate them with that type of Democrat and uh, we saw this uh, earlier in the campaign when Mike Ravel was running around he got a lot of support from some very far left people despite having a kind of a spotty track record because he's going hey I wasn't part of these Democrats Um, but with uh, climate change being such a huge issue for younger people why do you like why, why would younger people trust an older candidate who largely won't be ever feel the tr- like the peak effects of that issue they shouldn't that <laughs> they shouldn't it's, it's that. so so you think they should support younger candidates i think so i think i know it might sound super ageist but i personally think when you have somebody that is much older um like the three candidates that we named 
you get sort of out of touch, especially when you're not really in, you know, um, with commoners, you know, air quotes, um, every day you get very out of touch. So I don't think that they would be really be able to relate to people our own age. I just, I don't see that happening. I think that's one of the reasons why people love AOC so much. Yeah. She's so relatable. She's really, really smart. But the thing is, she's relatable. But which young candidate on this stage do you think can fill those shoes and be relatable and get get young votes? Or is it just going to come down to Biden, Warren, and Bernie? I think Uh, you can definitely see it a bit with Mayor Pete. Yeah. Yeah, I think he definitely could do it. Though, I will also say, I think the biggest thing stopping the younger candidates is also the top three candidates right now are leftovers from 2016. Mm-hmm. It is the two, you know, it is the moderate that sort of run, the liberal that sort of run, and the liberal that failed at running. And, uh, and how much of it is name recognition and how much of it is the Democratic internal discourse is still trying to come to a reckoning of how did Donald Trump get so close? We can talk about how the election was stolen in a million different ways, but you can only steal so much of an election. And the fact that he came within cheating distance, I like that term that was used tonight. I cannot remember which candidate said that. That was a good term. I I remember Buttigieg using it before I I had a rally. Okay, yes, that's probably a Buttigieg line. And I feel like a lot of Democrats are still trying to have that reckoning. And we've seen this happen on Twitter over the last several years. And it feels like 2016 has never ended, and we're still fighting the 2016 primary. Absolutely. And we're doing it again. And that's mm. kind of why I have concerns for the general for the Democrats. Um, another thing, I think definitely. So today they talked about Luke Dobbs for probably 30 minutes straight. Mm-hmm. Um, and definitely a question I have as a college student and I think it's probably what every college student has and especially someone who is going to be leaving college is really do any of these candidates make us feel confident in what the job market will look like under their presidency no my like big red flag on that one is I feel like Andrew Yang has such a pessimistic view of the economy and he's like throwing UBI out as this fix that would completely fail on the debate stage if he were to match up with Donald Trump because all Trump has to do is say, oh, we have three point whatever percent unemployment, best unemployment rate in a while, yada, yada, yada. And, you know, his that's, you know, what he's campaigning on. That's yeah. like his main like, thing. So it would fall flat. Very exactly quickly. what animatronic Tom Steyer was saying is that <laughs> it is the economy the Trump is running on. And to quote Bill Clinton, it's the economy, stupid. That is what <laughs> is going to get you to win the general election. And just looking at these, I don't know if I feel confident in the job market under any of them. I don't think UBI is a one-size-fits-all solution. And the counter-argument to the federal work guarantee that came up tonight is, you know, we're in college because we want to do a specific job. Like, we don't want to just be put into some department in the federal government. Exactly. I'm a big fan of Warren's 40% of every large corporation's board needs to have worker representation, be it like voted workers, union representation. I feel like that is, I don't know if that'll fix things tomorrow. I feel like that's a really good plan for creating long-term change. I do think Warren's correct in that sort of like 
putting a voice, a, a more democratic voice, yeah. would steer them towards doing long-term investing. Puts an incentive that isn't just direct corporate profit. It also requires an incentive for long-term profit. And that's really the problem we're seeing is that eventually your corporation gets big enough where you can just optimize for short-term profit and bail out and that's where we're going to have a lot of our job losses coming from like worse than automation worse than anything else is companies doing short-term profit over long-term long-term gains and i mean in general like i was saying none of these you know the federal job guarantee or the ubi i don't have confidence in mm-hmm. another solution is from that the thousand dollars a month yeah. Yeah. yeah not so much on jobs but um just on like income inequality mm-hmm. i think um I mean, obviously, Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders are very similar on that front. Uh, no one else really gave me a very clear answer about what their plan is to address that, at least from my understanding of what they said. But I, I, personally, I think Elizabeth Warren does the best job of uh, delivering her policy ideas and making them very coherent. Mm-hmm. And so I, I liked what she had to say about that. I like the 2% tax idea. I think... There was this really weird energy tonight. I think anything Warren said was just wrong. And so even like taking away from what she was saying, whether you agree or not, I just think people are more selective when it comes to her. It's kind of like, okay, she they might see her as the front runner and maybe she's getting the most traction with people, let's say people my age. So it's like, okay, well, let's try to nitpick everything that she's saying. But I did agree. She was kind of evasive about certain things, but yeah. it was just that energy tonight was way off. I actually, I didn't, I didn't mind her being evasive on the question about um, taxing on like the middle class. Bernie Sanders. Yeah, that was See, a that, big yeah. one. Ber- Ber- Bernie See, that, Sanders. That's the thing is like, that one bothered me because it's like, just say it. Like it's people, I think people are mature enough to understand, hey, if my taxes go up, but my medical bills drop dramatically, that's a net gain for me. That's not hard to say. I don't know why she couldn't just say that. I, and you have to have Bernie come in and say it because they have the same plan. I think she. <laughs> I, th- I think she just doubts that everyone is mature enough to that have that understanding. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I'm not sure exactly where I stand on that, but I mm-hmm. I don't think it was necessarily a terrible idea just to focus on the fact that costs will go down because at the end of the day, that's what really matters is like, are you saving money or not? But that's something that, like I like I keep saying, like people my age, they'll. I think that's the reason why she was being so evasive, because she's like, how do I appeal to certain people right now? Because people just they want to say over and over and over again, tax the wealthy, tax the rich. Mm-hmm. I mean, absolutely. But she knows that that might not always work, and so I think that was part of the reason why yeah. she was being so evasive. Yeah, I think a lot of people just hear, you know, oh, they're going to raise taxes on the middle class, and they don't listen to the they rest of what you have to, to say. As soon as they hear that, after. their ears are closed. Exactly, that's a big part of it. Yeah, I think um, kind of go back on what you were saying about uh, the other candidates seeing her as as the true front runner. I think they do. Yeah, I think that's definitely because... She's gained the most recently. Yeah, she's definitely she gained the, the most. You know, Biden came in as the front runner. B- Bernie came in as He's too the... He's yeah. Bernie came in as, you know, the second in the lead. Mm-hmm. 
and so so and that's where they both say it so so far Warren has been the only one to really you know increase her movement and permanently gain that increase you know Harris jumped up two thirds after the first debate and then you know see fell back down to uh, being above most candidates, but still, you know, not really in the competition. Right. So one of the big questions I had coming out of this, and there was a moment for me that kind of made this click for me, is what was the point of all of this? What were they doing? Uh, how did we get here? What do we want to see out of a primary debate? And I feel like this debate was kind of, I don't want to say it was a complete shit show because they were on topic, but they were talking about very specific policy things. And we talked about this while it was happening of, well, that's not going to make it through reconciliation in the Senate. We need to negotiate how these bills are going to come through. And they're arguing over one word differences in policy. And I <laughs> like, I, and so the thing that like clicked for me is when uh, Mayor Pete was talking about expanding the Supreme Court to 15. And the thing that I think matters what I want to see out of them is, and I, I know we got here because a lot of people say, well, I want to hear them talk about the issues, but like we're talking, they, they all agree on these issues, like yeah. 90%. You can tell. And th th those they're just being sassy. Yeah. They're being sassy over little issues. I want to see, and they probably have differences right. in how will they use presidential power? I want to see specific questions about their philosophies of leadership and what they would do with presidential power. We heard a little bit about executive orders tonight. Uh, and we heard that little bit about uh, uh, st uh, stacking the Supreme Court. Yeah. But like those, I think, are questions that you can actually answer about the presidency during a debate. What are you willing to do? One thing I did like, though, was for Harris, she gave, I think it was about, um, I think when they were talking about gun reform, I think, because there was just so much going on. But I think they were talking about gun reform, and she gave like a clear-cut, um, answer to what would you do she gave a time frame and then she gave if that if it's not met in that time frame this is what i'm gonna do that's something that i really liked that i didn't see from anyone all night maybe from warren correct me if i'm wrong i think a little bit from booker in saying he is going to i always forget about him that he is going to <laughs> designate an office in the white house to deal with um reproduction rights to deal he with re reproduction mm -hmm. rights um, in general, like you were saying, these are a lot of things that they are not going to differ on because of the, are things that are going to be dealt with in Congress and are legislation issues that are largely going to go along with the ideas of the greater Democratic Party, the ideas of the Democratic Congressional Caucus. What are these candidates actually going to do? in the office of the president and with the executive powers. Now, what are they going to, what what policies are they going to set for the Department of Education, for the Department of Justice, for all of these, for the Department of State, all of these, you know, executive offices and that they are actually going to be in charge of what are they actually going to do? I think so many times we don't get into that. Mm -hmm. Like we talk about foreign relations in this, and that is actually the president's job. <laughs> yeah, but we didn't get into. I feel like we didn't get into enough details with that because so much of it was just, well, was I'm going to rebuild trust. I'm going to rebuild trust. I'm going to rebuild trust. 
That's what everyone pretty much wanted for Foreign Affairs. A couple people did bring up, like, we need to have alternatives between absolute, like, isolationism and bomb first, ask questions later. Like, we need to be out there promoting all sorts of different things. Like, we got to make sure that, like, in these countries that we have doing our labor for our goods, that we're promoting healthy labor practices in these countries. Like, we need to be engaged politically globally if we want to make the world a better place. And I feel like America, even before Trump, has done a pretty piss-poor job of that. And that's something I'd like to see different. Yeah. Um, Any closing statements from anybody? Well, seriously, though, what friends do you guys... (laughs) Oh. oh, I'm joking. Mm. Well, I want to know now, Corey. What friends do you have that? I thought you were ending the question there. I was like, that's rude. What no. friends do you have? <laughs> rude. I had other things to say. Okay. Um, okay. What I was going to say about the question is it is so much of an awesome entertainment question. Yeah. When there are so many things that weren't talked about, like we said already, the situation at the border, the climate change, police shootings throughout the country, you know, all of these were not talked about, and it was decided that you know talking about LM and I know the greater picture was this you know national rebuilding and healing, but. I do think there are so many more issues that are important that still have been talked about than specifically talking about this in this way. I feel like on these debates, or these like when they do the town hall things, I feel like monotopic is probably better to do them. Like This is kind of a sprawling, brought-out thing, and I don't know how beneficial that is. If we wanted to sit down for three hours and just like talk about what are our jobs plans that might go somewhere that might let us go deep that might let us even then there's 12 of them they only get 45 seconds each to talk that's nonsense you can't explain anything in that amount of time at least we're down to 12 (laughs) at least we're down to 12 (laughs) well actually technically we're up to 12 because it used to be only 10 candidates for that's true actually yeah (laughs) Yeah. but then we had to watch two back to back yeah exactly yeah now we just watch 12 people for three hours and it's uh, they did narrow the topics a little bit tonight though like it was more just economically focused yeah yeah like you guys mentioned earlier they kind of strayed away from you know some of like racial issues and social issues they didn't talk about the border at all like um besides just a few comments in there um, because I think it's pretty clear that all the candidates are on the same page with those issues. There's not much for them to really like find differences on them. I think the big problem when you're talking about economics, though, and if you don't talk about the border and you don't talk about racial issues, you fucked up. Straight up. I'm not going to sugarcoat that. If you're not talking about racial issues and economics in this country, you're not talking about economics. Yeah. Amen. I mean, literally, that is that is basically Trump's platform of people of color from south of the border are coming into this country and taking American Scott. That's literally Trump's platform. Disgusting. Like, and to not really, for Democrats not to give their opposition to that is really dancing around the issue. 
But they, they do all give their opposition to that every day on like Twitter, right. Instagram, That's true on the too. campaign trail. I think they just wanted, they only had three hours and they wanted to and diversify what, you know, they're able to communicate to the public. Well, thank you all for coming in. I wonder if this is better, more healthy for us having gone through this ordeal that was that debate and this more <laughs> of a cleansing and, uh, or uh, like, a, like a cleansing and getting out of all of this weird debate energy than it will be as a useful podcast. But uh, <laughs> thank you all for coming in. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Thank you. Thank you for having us. <laughs> <laughs>